Welcome, everyone, to Mystery, a podcast about myths and history. I am one of your hosts, Bryant, with my permanent guest, Cami. Hi there, Cami. Hey, Brian. Down there in <laughs> Skype, chilling. And Peter, the impermanent guest. Hello, welcome back. Good oh day. my gosh. Was that a werewolf? A hairy man just flew across my screen. <laughs> <laughs> Peter, welcome back. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Everyone, Peter's here. It's the first Friday of the greatest month, uh, October. It, it, it's Podicus Magnus. It's going to be my birthday soon. Halloween. It's fall. It, there's there's just too many good things happening right now. Um, if you're just joining us, welcome. This is Mystery. So every week, Cammy and I on Wednesdays will... Pick a myth or a legend, and then we'll try and give you a story behind that. And then we'll, we're going to discuss it with facts and learning stuff and clicks. Sometimes science. Remember that it's, one time with the science? Yeah. And sometimes it goes into psychotherapy when you talk about Medusa and you don't yeah. realize it. So you're way over your head, but you just you make it work. That's mystery. That's what mystery is. And Peter joins us sometimes, too, because we like to have these longer discussions and we're, we're tackling a big subject i said it earlier we're, we're going to discuss the the con the, the werewolf and and there's a lot there to unpack uh, obviously because there's lots of different stories behind werewolves but peter and cammy have their own little story behind it uh you know werewolves it's halloween month fall it's it's ripe for for werewolf and uh we're really excited this time a year ago cammy and i basically had just kicked off the podcast we we had just recorded a couple episodes we were getting it off the ground and then we we were fortunate i mean halloween's a great time we, we did four halloween themed episodes where we talked about um mummies banshees vlad the impaler and one more that i can't remember and <laughs> cammy and i have decided to kind of redo that we're gonna have, we have a theme we're we're going to be hitting on four subjects regarding murders that weren't solved. So it's going to be things uh, like the Pied Piper. Yeah. Yeah. He's a killer. murderer. Killer. Um, the Axeman of New Orleans from the early 20th century. Then we dive into Elizabeth Bathory. If you know your Hungarian noble women, you should. <laughs> and then we're going to end this whole shebang with uh, another Podicus Magnus, which is going to be our second Suburban Legends. We're really excited. It was a huge success last time. Basically, we ask for you to give us your kind of local stories. They can even be personal stories, but just local things, whether that happened to you. We had someone who talked about their crazy experiences in a haunted house. We've had haunted bridges. We had a crazy dude who wanted to buy Hitler. <laughs> and towed him around. Uh, he was real. Spikehorn, so yes. We emphasize that's right, Spikehorn. Yeah, we, we emphasize on local stuff. So just it, 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 you know, local. Send it to us. We're on Facebook, Twitter. You can you can reach to us personally. I'm Bryant. How's it going? And yes, yeah, so please send us your stuff and listen to the old Suburban Legends. It was really really fun. We we really. Had a great time doing that. So, but after that, Suburban Legends, Cammy and I will conclude Spooptapular October Briller with Jack <laughs> the Ripper. Ooh. So we're going back to the Victorian era. We're going to talk about that crazy sun gun who did some gross stuff. So that being said, this episode 
and the next four episodes, maybe fifth, are are going to be a little like graphic talking. We do. I I got the E for explicit on here because Peter is such a potty mouth, but. Um, <laughs> Just keep in mind, in this werewolf one, there's going to be some and, you know, blood and stuff like that. So um, uh, lots of sound effects. It's basically, it's like, we, we they call us like kabuki, you know. It's very dramatic and intense. Um, so just keep that in mind. With with Cammy and I have recorded some of the other episodes. They, they definitely are going to be a little graphic. Um, nothing too crazy, I would say. If you liked last week, last year's, like Vlad, you know, he's impaling people. That's kind of mm-hmm. gross. If you're not cool with that, then just keep that in mind. So, without further ado, we're going to talk about werewolves now. Rock, paper, scissors, who goes first? Go. (laughs) No, you guys ruined it. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) We both got scissors for those listeners at home. All right. right. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Ah, I'm going first. Or do I get to pick? No, you go first. Because Peter doesn't want to. I love going first. <laughs> we should probably Cammy. should have planned this out ahead of time. You know, I know. I realized <laughs> it. I about it. I, I, I picked scissors twice, and Peter picked scissors and then paper. Just for the listeners at home, they have no idea what just happened. Yes, yeah. don't. They worry, just I'm heard a bunch ed- of like slapping on the so, microphone. I'm gonna edit this majestically, so it'll, it'll work. Don't worry, it'll be perfect. I think we should right, keep Cammy. it. So, so, yeah, Bri- oh, yeah. so, Brian, you're gonna be doing sound effects, right? Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> yeah, yeah it'll be really good. I'm just going to try All to right. crack her up the entire time. <laughs> well, Cammy, please uh, regale us with your werewolf. Sure. So I'm going to go over my sources at the end. So just keep that in mind because <laughs> it might give a little too much away. In 16th century Germany, an era plagued by famine and war, werewolves were a familiar enemy men who made pacts with Satan himself to become part beast, aiding their search for power in a time that few possessed it. Bedburg, Germany, was terrorized by one such beast. The town folks noticed the existence of a wolf problem when they first found livestock torn limb from limb around the area's farming land. While they found the remains in the morning, they couldn't catch catch the creature in the act. It was baffling and frustrating, but then it got worse. The town's own children began sh- became the town's own children began showing up murdered or dead with their throats missing along with organs and flesh. The town spurred to action. They gathered the most able bodies and swift of shot among them and formed groups to hunt the beast. One night a hunting party caught the scent of the creature and found a large wolf bloodied from a fresh kill. They cornered the beast and cut off its left paw, but he escaped. The next morning, something strange happened. A villager by the name of Peter Stubb was missing his left hand. Now, either no one in the hunting party knew Stubb, or they could not believe a connection was possible between a man and a creature. Either way, Stubb was not accused of being a wolf. But the murders continued, and now pregnant women were the targets. The Schottenjägers increased their hunts. They staked themselves in every corner of the village, its farms, and the outlying woods, until one day they found the trail again. A young schoolgirl was taken from her playgroup by a giant wolf. He grabbed her by the collar, but was unable to penetrate through the fabric at her neck. She managed to escape and alert a group of hunters to where the wolf was hiding. As they approached, they caught sight of him. 
But as he rose, he transformed into a man before their eyes. He carried no weapons but a staff, and no garments adorned his naked body, nor any wolf pelts found nearby. They seized him quickly and brought him back to town to answer for his crimes. But how does a man become a wolf? Peter Stubb recounted his meeting with the devil, where he pledged his undying commitment to evil in exchange for a girdle that would transform his body to onlookers, so that he might satisfy his inner hunger in the ways of a wolf. He disclosed his part in 16 murders, one of which was his own son, whose brain he ate raw. He was sentenced for his heinous crimes to die on the rack, whereupon he was tortured for hours while he confessed his entire life and his fascination with the dark arts and devil worship. On October 31st, 1589, the Bedburg town was rid of their murderous fiend. But how many more girdles has Satan left to give? Yeah, that dude's messed up. He was creeptastic. Yeah, that's wild. Wow. Well, that's a really good werewolf story to start on. It's a really good connection, too, to the medieval stuff that I'm going to touch on later. Well, Peter, yours isn't too far off. A couple hundred years. What are you going to be discussing? What is your beast? It's the beast of Gévaudan. This is a story from the French countryside uh, during the 18th century. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And we'll lay it on us. This is uh, told in the form of a found letter. So, Paris, France, July 10th, 1789. To whomever discovers this letter... Our great country seems to stand on the brink of revolution, and while I welcome it, I fear for my personal safety. If my voice should fall silent in the coming days, may this document record certain curious details that may be beneficial to future French citizens. My name is Jacques Portefeuille. I was born the son of a poor, illiterate farmer who worked the fields below the Marguerite Mountains in the province of Gévaudan. Today, I am an aspiring naturalist who corresponds with the king himself, and I owe this new life and the fact that I can read and write at all to a series of violent and horrific events that occurred when I was but a child. I was 10 years old in the year 1764, the year of the beast. It was harvest season, and the farming villages of Gévaudan were busy reaping the fields and fattening their herds before the winter. Rumors had begun circling of a great beast stalking the fields and roads around Gévaudan. We were accustomed to the company of wolves. They were a constant threat to our livestock, but this creature was different. It preferred to hunt people. Marie-Jean Vallée, a girl from the neighboring village, reported being stalked by a large creature. She described the beast as standing taller than a wolf with an elongated head and flattened snout. Its tail was not bushy like a wolf, but was long with a tuft of black hair at its tip. Its fur was tawny and streaked with black stripes. The girl surely would have been killed had the bulls in the field not chased the beast off. News of the attack reached the big cities where Valet became known as 
the Maid of Gévaudan. A few days later, the beast claimed its first victim. Jan Boulet, a boy I knew from church, was found dead in a field near his home. His throat had been ripped out. The attacks increased over the next few weeks. The beast seemed to target women, children, and lone men. Victims were killed by bites to the head and neck and were rarely ever eaten. The attacks became so widespread and frequent that rumors began circulating that there was not one beast, but perhaps a whole pack of them. People were warned not to travel alone and began working the fields in groups. One night, I was returning from the Harvest Festival with seven of my friends. Our bellies warmed by drafts of hot apple cider, we quickened our steps as we hurried home down the darkened road. The moon was new, and we had only a small lantern to light our way. We approached a hill that had been crowned with great sheafs of harvested wheat. Suddenly, one of the huge bundles appeared to tumble down the hill towards our group. The beast crashed into us like a ball from a cannon. We became scattered. In the faint light, I could make out the shape of the beast. This was no wolf. It stood on its hind legs as it tried to separate us. Its spine was curled and its chest stood out like a man who suffered from backaches. Its claws curled down like a, not like a paw, but like fingers. It looked like a wolf, but it moved and hunted like a man. I suddenly remembered that I carried a knife in my pocket. My father had insisted on it. When the creature turned away to menace my friend, I charged on the beast and drove my bayonet into its flank. It howled and turned on me, knocking me to the ground. Our scattered group had reformed and my friends began throwing stones at the beast. Perhaps seeing its opportunity lost, it fled, it turned and fled into the nearby woods. A few days later, a messenger arrived at my home. News of the incident had reached the ears of King Louis himself. I was to receive 300 liras for my bravery and was to receive a state-sponsored education. My friends received 350 liras divided among them. The king was to send one of his most capable soldiers to hunt down and destroy the beast. Captain Duhamel of the Clermont Price Dragoons made a grand entrance into our humble province, but his haughty attitude chased against the proud local farmers. The captain's attempts at forming a hunting party sputtered and failed. He reportedly had the beast cornered, but once again his support wavered and the beast was able to escape by crossing the Trier River. The king then sent a pair of renowned hunters, Jean-Charles, Marc-Antoine, Vamoul de Verval, and his son, Jean-Francois, the hunters arrived at the local inn in a great coach trailed by a baying team of eight bloodhounds. Dieneval was a seasoned wolf hunter and preferred cunning and stealth to Duhamel's direct military approach. But Dieneval also failed. The attacks continued. It was almost like the beast knew where the hunters would be and planned its attacks many miles away. The king then sent out his best shot, the lone arquebus bearer of the kingdom, Francois Antoine. His unusual weapon could fire a hooked projectile that could entangle a difficult quarry. Antoine killed a large wolf a few days after reaching Gévaudan and had it stuffed and sent to Versailles. The beast caused a sensation at court, an image of it 
images of it were reproduced in the newspapers. I have seen these images, and while it does depict an unusually large animal, it does not resemble the beast I saw. Antoine continued to hunt in the woods around Gévaudan, eventually tracking and killing the beast's mate and pups. The pup was discovered to, to possess a double dewclaw, a genetic flaw unique to the great Beaucheron hunting dogs. Perhaps the beast had been some strange crossbreed. A few weeks after the news of the beast's destruction had caused such a stir, the attacks began once again. Based on my calculations, the beast had attacked over 200 people in just over two years and had killed over 100 souls. While the royals in Versailles congratulated themselves and threw lavish parties, the beast continued to prey on the poor and disadvantaged farmers of Gévaudan. The beast was no wolf, nor was it some mutated half-breed, nor lion or hyena, as some speculated. The beast was smart and cunning and knew of the plotting and movements of men. It killed not for food but for pleasure, and it rarely left witnesses." Jean Chastel had watched the spectacle from his chateau and hatched a wild theory. He dabbled in the occult and was shunned by many in the province for his sacrilegious views. Chastel had come to believe that the beast was not an animal at all, but the loup-garou, a werewolf. Chastel began developing a unique weapon to hunt the creature. He combined a large caliber bullet with buckshot he had made from inherited silver. Chastel hunted the woods surrounding Gévaudan, and he did succeed in killing a large creature. An autopsy, now widely published as the Marin Report, found the remains of victims in the beast's belly. Chastel was celebrated locally as the true slayer of the beast of Gévaudan. But I remain unconvinced. Though the attacks have certainly slowed, they never, they never, bleh, they never stopped completely. Curiously, the attacks now seem confined to just a few miles from the Chastel estate. I have come to believe that the creature Chastel killed was a decoy, a means of covering up a more sinister and evil reality. Though he is now a man of advanced age, Chastel has not visibly aged since he was celebrated for killing the Beast of Gévaudan over 20 years ago. His tawny hair does not contain even a hint of gray, and his beard is as black and bushy as ever. Chastel has undoubtedly read some of my writings in nature journals where I have theorized about the origins of the beast. He has requested a meeting with me later today. I am uncertain if I will survive the encounter. God save the king, Monsieur Jacques Portefeuille. Oh my oh, goodness, he's not going to live through that. Portefeuille, no. <laughs> Peter, well done. Good job. Uh, that was fun. I, so could cool. I go over my sources quickly? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot. So, um, it's time. Wikipedia, Peter Stubb, and a true discourse declaring the damnable life and death of one Stubb Peter. And that was the source was the original pamphlet, but it is housed in the British Library, BL.UK. Awesome. Cool. And my sources yeah. were also Wikipedia, Beast of Gévaudan, uh, and Jacques Portefeuille, A Child at the Time of the Beast Ooh, by chills. Monsieur Lagrave. So it is it is a highly uh, suspect source, but it's a lot of fun. Cool. <laughs> well, you, you nailed the story. I mean, like a lot of what you said 
was like you you ingrained the the actual history behind it um there was a lot going on there so no that's great you both did excellent jobs those are really good stories um and i love it so werewolf you know um old english uh word where meaning man wolf it's a wolf go figure so man wolf makes sense and and you know the the beast of uh Gévaudan, it was a real thing and and it what it was was wolves it was wolves killing people that's what, <laughs> that's what they do that's what they've been doing i didn't i i i believed that but i didn't realize how it was just very common throughout all of mm-hmm. history wolves just murdering people that's why all those stories about the big bad wolf exist because parents had to really teach the kids the wolf is going to kill you. So just run, <laughs> like just stay away. So, but I like the duality of it because Cammy's definitely implies the the mysticism behind it and the man wolf thing. Yours does as well. And, but the, you know, the, 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 the beast of Givaudan, it, it, when my, I briefly looked at it and it, it, there you know, there wasn't a lot of hysteria as far as assuming it was a crazy creature for the most part. I mean, it, it, it was a problem of having these damn wolves. Now they were huge. Uh, like some of the wolves that they did end up killing um, were like five seven and uh, like long and uh, like 130 pounds. So wolves can get huge. Wolves aren't like pups um, as far as it goes. But yeah, so yeah, there's a lot here. We we recently did zombies, and there was a lot there. So I, I'm not going to be able to unpack everything that there is about werewolves, but I'm, I'm going to go over just some, some overlaying things in general. And I, you know, talk about the things that I didn't know about that you guys might not know about and, and just kind of go from there. You, you know, werewolf, I, I did kind of understand that that was an old English term and, you know, it, it comes from Europe um, for sure in that area. And, and the term werewolf has been used around the 15th century in Germany. And, and today it's werewolf, and werewolf is used in a lot of different ways. Uh, Frankish, Anglo-Norman, um, mi- uh, Middle Latin, all these medieval terms were, were they, they had a kind of a, a variation of it. Like in in, in French and, and Anglo-Norman, it was like gerewolf and things like that, or gerewolf now that I know that G's or G's. <laughs> but they're, uh, for, yeah, all, all of these, these there's there's a there's a, a a kind of a pinpoint area where it sort of starts but it's weird it, it it takes a deeper route and you can kind of see it well i mean wolves are important i mean they're obviously important to rome we talked about romulus and ramus um and the important i mean, the the being you know men who were raised by a wolf uh, and things like that but there there are some deep roots regarding that um a big part of it is the the concept of therianthropy, which is uh, turning into it's 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 um, therian, which is a, a Greek word for wild animal or beast, and then anthropos, like anthropology, human being. So therianthropy is sort of the the mythological ability to turn into an, an animal, and that's that's been around for for ages. I mean, for forever. In fact, um, Gilgamesh. Um, sort of t- discusses like turning into in specifically into like a beast. So, you know, we, we actually did an episode on Gilgamesh. Gilgamesh is one of the oldest Rick written stories ever. And so that's, that kind of shows you how deep it goes and it, and it makes a lot of sense. Um, but yeah, if I may, I mean, yeah. like, when, you, when you think about the history of man, like the, probably the earliest domesticated animal was the wolf, you know, like sure. the, 
we have this ancient connection with this animal. Um, so it's, it's, it figures that we have so many stories about yeah. wolves and about, you know, this, 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 uh, this human wolf hybrid creature. Yeah. I think it's probably very, very old. We share right. a lot of their DNA because we've been around them for so long, like bacterial DNA. Oh, that's cool. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And, and well, a big thing. So going into the werewolf, sort of that, that specific idea is interesting. And it comes through history in a lot of different ways. A lot of it has to do with sort of the, the idea of lycanthropy, or, or, or clinical lycanthropy as it's sort of taught. And and there's a lot of like uh, classical Greek references to this. So there's stories, you know, ancient stories like Gilgamesh, um, which dates back to 2100 BC, uh, where a man turns into a wolf. But coming uh, further into like the classical period, um, we have descriptions of, of, of people kind of like, like the, you know, the idea of the, the term lunatic, um, you know, Luna being a moon, the moon changing you. These, this all kind of melded, but people kind of turning crazy and acting irrational and things like that. That's where the lycanthropy kind of came into. Didn't necessarily mean you were turning into a werewolf, but you definitely were turning into like some sort of, sort of an animal. Something, something provoked you to turn into an animal. Um, one of the things that I liked was uh, the earliest Roman geographer, Pomponius. Um, so he was around 30 AD, roughly. <clears throat> he and, and a couple other uh, historians from that time talk about um, these, these people in Scythia, which was a Turkic nomadic tribe. A very strong one too. So think, think like you know, Mongolians in a way, similar to that idea. Horse, you know, horse nomads, horse riding nomads. Um, but there were there were stories of Scythian werewolf people who would like they would spend ten days as a werewolf and turn back. It was it was part of their culture. And it, you know, it's funny too, uh, going through my sources. Um, there's there's a nice little section in Wikipedia that that nothing else talked about. And it, it a little section, and it was just. Um, uh, Asia in Asia was what it, what the title was, and it was very sh- simple. And it's really funny because there's there's so much there for the, sort of the Western world, but in Asia, it, they kind of talk about the idea of wear cats and wear leopards and wear tigers. So the, again, that's that therianthropy, people turning into it. But then in the, the the Turkic areas and the people, the nomads and the steppes, wolves weren't. I mean, they were dangerous, but they were revered. They were they were like a, a, a totemic ancestor. So it wasn't as like scary or as malicious as it was in Europe and everywhere else. They were like, yeah, wolves, they kill us. They're badass. We stay away. They're cool. Um, <laughs> and so it's really cool. Another kind of outlier is the, the Norse history behind it. Lots of Norse stories. And, and they're, you know, Norse stories are a little more, I don't know, I don't want to say fun, but yeah, they're, they're a little more lighthearted. And there's one of a father and son finding these uh, cloaks, uh, hides that turn them into wolves. And there's a, there's a lot of other kind of things like that. Nothing very straightforward as a werewolf, but definitely like wearing the um, hide of a wolf. That You also see that imagery in like 460 um, BC Athens and, and vases and things like that. And certain heroes wearing the pelt of a wolf and, and that. So yeah, wolves, obviously deep connection, very revered. But then, yeah, there's, there's the lycanthropy sort of aspect which is talked about um again i i mentioned the uh Pisoni's talking about the scythian people um petronius is another um i think he's a geographer as well he's greek though 27 to 66 he talks about the, the specific affliction so they're kind of talking about it in, in more of a specific way oh herodotus herodotus was the other one who talked of course about it was herodotus. Um, 
I know. Yeah, <laughs> he was someone else who mentioned of uh, the the Scythians, um, which uh, which is close to Russia as well. So they they would wear the 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 wolfskins for warmth, and it, so it, it was it kind of became ingrained in their culture, and then there was a little mystification sort of added to it. Um, a big thing though is the concept of um, Lycian or Lycian uh, Zeus. So that kind of like literally means um, wolf Zeus. And uh, the people in Arcadia, um, a, a region of ancient Greece, uh, actually worshipped uh, this this form of Zeus, wolf Zeus. Mm. So, and there's a story of Lycaon or Lycaon of Arcadia. Long story short, because it's, it's a fun little story, but he is a, a king who, in the most popular version of the myth, he tested Zeus by serving him the roasted flesh of his own son, uh, Nictimus, in order to see whether Zeus was truly all-knowing. So he was like, I wonder if he knows he's eating my kid. <laughs> so Zeus was really upset, um, turned uh, Lycaon into a wolf and killed his offspring, but restore and Nictimus came back to life. Yay, <laughs> Nictimus is alive. <laughs> you know, like, Hooray, my dad and all my siblings are dead. So... Anyway, there, that's a that's just a kind of a deep ancient Greek connection, and there's Wolf Zeus out there, probably like doing the same thing Zeus does, just with more like rug peeing, I guess. Um, but uh, another really like notable well, sort of mention. <laughs> I, I'm I'm curious now, like if if, yeah. uh, if Zeus ever disguised himself as a as a wolf uh, to seduce women, because he's known to to, to oh, yeah. do that. Wolves yeah. are really you know, sexy. Yeah, that absolutely. is the thing. Like you know, like that's, we're kind of dancing around that. We're kind of dwelling on the the kind of oh, violence of I have, this. But I have the three page <laughs> Twilight summary coming up. No, I'm just kidding. Um, oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's it, it. Is it's really interesting? Yeah, Zeus did shape. He he was therianthropic, very therianthropic in other words. But yeah, he he absolutely <laughs> did, and it's. Um, Plato in the Republic, which I've totally read, uh, talks of uh, the protector turned tyrant of the shrine of the Lycian or Lycian Zeus. So um, in in the passage, uh, the character Socrates remarks, the story goes that he who tastes of the one bit of human entrails minced up with those of other victims is inevitably transformed into a wolf. So that's really key. Plato's Republic is a really big book. I did not read it. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, but I, I know I'm very aware of it and its importance. And then this story is really important. So mi the entrails minced, uh, minced up with those of other victims is inevitably transformed into a wolf. That's really important because that's that's a big part of of werewolf lore and culture and, and how you turn into a werewolf is you you end up like mixing in people's parts and and eating them whether you know it or not and that's that that's mm. what happened to zeus and you know it it didn't happen to the king of uh, lycian but it he ended up getting turned into it because of it right and it comes through and through and that that reminds me um so i i kyle finally convinced me my girlfriend finally convinced me to watch the witcher on netflix it is really fantastic i've been enjoying it i was kind of over the games kind of got like over touted and i was like bah, bah humbug but I, the show is absolutely great um Love Cavill playing uh, him. And there's a, a fun episode. Um, spoilers for that show. Just heads up. Um, spoilers for the game, too. It is as bad as Brian thinks it is. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's good. It's good. Um, they, there's an episode where there's this beast that's killed a, a boy, and he's got, like, a, a gash on his chest. And they're like, oh, it's it's the Vakodlock. The Vakodlock, uh, you know, did it to, to him. And uh, we're like, what's a Vakodlock? Because Witcher is rooted in Slavic mythology, which has deep roots into, you know, Proto-Indo-European. So it, it 
lot of roots into Greek and, and Asian myth there too. And Vukadlak is essentially a werewolf. And in, in fact, I, I'm pretty sure it was Serbia, Serbian and a couple other Slavic languages. It literally like you you click Vukadlak and it's it shows the Wikipedia entry for werewolf in that language. So what what I liked about this was uh, so it, it, it you know it's it's a direct word for it. But it's a borrow word. I was looking at the etymology of it, and it's a borrowed word from Greek. And I'm going to butcher this a little bit, but vrikolakos. Vrikolakos is, is the borrowed word. And vrikolakos is, I'm going to just quote Wikipedia, is a harmful undead creature in undead, in Greek folklore um, and Salento culture, uh, which is uh, in that the Mediterranean area and Italy area. So, and, and vrikolos is based, vrikolakos, Kas is is a sort of vampire zombie creature essentially, so like a ghoul, uh, you know, the mm. Arabic word that we kind of talked about. Um, I, what's wild though, I've never even we never even jumped. I've never seen this. I've never heard of this. I feel like that's such a big deal. In the zombie episode we we did recently, we talk about how there's evidence of ancient burial sites in like Persia and Greece, very ancient ones, where they would weigh down people's um, bodies. They would decapitate them. They would separate their body parts, weigh them down with stones. They were afraid of an undead sort of thing happening. And I, I just like, you know, the, there was, a, um, especially with the Byzantine era, there was a lot of uh, Slavic Byzantine sort of um, communication. And I wonder, I don't know exactly when the word was borrowed, but um, I, I just like that idea of that word transferring over and it, it just sort of meaning this, this flesh eating, hum, you know, a, an undead creature that wants to eat you kind of thing. And it, but for <laughs> them, it specifically became a werewolf in, in some cultures. So anyway, that, that's just a nice little kind of connection. And, and it, it's just, there are these ancient, ancient things. It's an ancient concept um, that, that just keeps coming back and forth again. So there's, there's a lot of these ancient Greek and Roman uh, connections, Pliny the Elder, Pisonius. I've said these names before. I don't remember exactly when they were around some of those eighties BCs, but these are all people who have discussed the 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 same sort of thing and, and uh so and in fact with Pliny and Pisanius uh they talk about um a young athlete Demarcus in the Arcadian sacrifice again we're back in Arcadia uh, of an adolescent boy when Demarcus was compelled to taste the entrails of the young boy don't you hate it when you are compelled to do that he was transformed into a wolf for nine years so and uh, recent archaeological evidence suggests that there was totally worth here. it yeah, nine years. You know, eat some dude's tummy. Yeah, I mean, so, I'd do it to become a wolf. I wouldn't do it, and then that was my consequence. Compelled, you know, yeah. like that—that that was yeah. my goal. Right, right. <laughs> um, so uh, the hygienists uh, from 180 Fabulae and, and Ovid's Metamorphosis also um, mentions Lycaon's uh, story. There's there's the immoral behavior. The cannibalistic ab- aspect that's a that's a really important part here is, is you have to you, you you get corrupted and it just t- totally takes you over uh and 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 um wikipedia and a few other sources kind of note Ovid's story is sort of the root of this 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 story so that's peter sort of, stubb eating his he's eating his son's brains yeah, so. i know and going off of that it reminds me a lot of basically what we have today is mad calga's disease but Kirk's yeah. Jacobs that we talked about where <coughs> humans are eating other humans flesh specifically the brain and it makes them go mad I mean it yeah it, mm. 
it changes yeah. their yeah your behavior is forced yeah and it's it's a meat consumption yeah absolutely you know i never saw anything directly related to that um funny enough in my stuff but yeah that that is absolutely a a, a really good well way to it's think my about thesis it. now i'm going back go. to school yeah. <laughs> get to it <laughs> gonna be a doctor so, like anthropy <laughs> It could be like a, yeah. a cautionary tale. Like it could be something cautionary, not only to to fear wolves, but like, hey, we Cook don't eat meat ourselves. Meat. Right? You know, like if you if you eat if you eat people, you cross this line and become monstrous. You know? Right? I think that's, that's yeah. really interesting. Well, it, it notes in Arcadia the signs of, of human sacrifice. We know that ancient Greek sites did human sacrifice. It kind of became old news after a while, and and that sounds like an evolution. And you know. Yeah, I I, it, I don't think it is good to eat, to eat your own kid's head uh, and things like that. Peter, or, or is Nintendo sponsoring entrails. us? I, I keep seeing the Labo. Oh, crap. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> Call the <to> Nintendo. <laughs> That'll be a fun edit. Um, but yeah, so the... The next big thing, I, that's... that's kind of that's, out. That's, the, that's kind of the, the main extent to mm. what... I've got there's a a, a a sort of an evolution in the Middle Ages. So in the 1200s, like there's a, a famous poem um, called Bisclavre. Uh, it's which kind of translates as the werewolf. It's a, a a poem by Marie de France. Good name. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Where's she from? Just make sure she's French, you know. Like, right. Yeah. De France. <laughs> and it's, it's, uh, it tells the story of a werewolf who is trapped in lupine form by the treachery of his wife, um, and it, it's been reworked and things like that. So it kind of sounds like the Princess and the Frog, but it's you know, evil mm-hmm. werewolf guy. Um, so it 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 started kind of coming up uh, more and more. Uh, it, it, again, it was it was so important in in literary terms and. Uh, in the ancient times as well. It also was sort of like a medical sort of thing. But then it, it did. As stories came, the story like Bisclavere, you know, the the person who's stuck as a werewolf, That that's a kind of an interesting take. There's there's a, the horror take definitely now and then. And like Peter Stump, uh, his tale is, is a good way of, I mean, now I'll, I'll kind of gloss over that. I didn't go super deep into the Stump story, but the thing is he did do most of this stuff. He did do some horrendous things. Now that pamphlet is a really cool pamphlet um, because it, it, it survives from its time of, of it's a, a 50, it, an English translation from 1590. There's two copies of it that exist today in, in England. And it was a copy of an original German print, which uh, is no longer around, but it's a very specific uh, print that describes the life and the witnesses. I mean, it's 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 kind of incredible to think about them wanting to sort of record that. But whether or not this guy did all this stuff, I, we don't know for sure. He def he admitted to to doing it um, under torture. His, yeah, under threat of torture, under torture, uh, and he was obliterated. They put him on like a wheel with. Uh, like like a normal kind of wheel and similar to how you kind of crucify someone but you tie him to it and he you know just annihilated him and made a a message out of him making a little thing with a wolf like a pole a totem beheaded his body put it on top of it burned uh, it's insane uh, his ba- daughter and mistress uh were dead strangled flayed burned i mean they were like none of that stuff anymore we're gonna we're gonna go double psycho down we're gonna double down the psycho just so nobody d- does what this dude did so <laughs> really kind of crazy thing but yeah there was a an interesting sort of hysteria to it and i think we kind of see that better in the beast of uh because of the sort of the urbanization the way news can spread 
and how it further kind of goes from there. Uh, so that's that's kind of what I've got. It, it, it comes up in uh, into another places in Europe. Um, the Mabinogian Cami is another. There's sort of a a, were, a Welsh werewolf story um, in the 12th century uh, book, the Mabinogian. We talked about that when we talked about the concept of a noon, which is sort of like an afterlife in a way. It's right. it's an afterlife you can attain. You can find a noon in the beautiful Brit- uh, hills of of Wales. Uh, that's what my name means. Did you guys know that, Brian? My name is Welsh, and it means hill. I know. Yeah. You are kind of like a hill. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, a lumpy. And... Yeah. It's all, you know. So and incorrect. <laughs> it's okay. You I'm a, sorry. A hill of a head. So, yeah, there, there's this interesting, during the medieval period, into the Renaissance era, and, and so on, m- more stories um, we, we, Martin Luther uses the form though, of the word Beowulf to describe a hypothetical ruler worse than a tyrant who must be resisted. So it's, it's wild because I, when I started my research, I would have been like, yeah, you know, uh, 12th century writings and, and, and so on would have used this as a great literary device. They would have been aware of, you know, they would have used it beautifully. And it's like, oh, well, no, like the Republic is referencing this concept thanks to the werewolf or Wolf Zeus, um, that badass but the last kind of big thing and cammy sort of just kind of talked about it is the werewolf trials now this is a a new thing that i was not aware of because you're you're very familiar with the witchcraft trials becoming more and more famous i love how they're depicted through monty python um (laughs) it's sort of the lose lose for the woman like ah she's not a witch she's dead though now but she's definitely not a witch you know um there were werewolf trials uh mainly in switzerland but uh, the the stump story is one of a, is a werewolf trial uh, at its essence. Um, it got a little weirder, of course, because he was saying he had the devil's girdle and you know all the things that come along with it. But yeah, it, it was just an interesting story to sort of it, the 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 importance of werewolves as they sort of evolved. It was very it was it was similar to what was in the classical era and beyond that uh, as literary and narrative driven things. Of course, there were stories that kind of grew, um, but yeah, I, that's 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 sort of all I wanted to focus on for the most part. Um, you could go on and on. Uh, Peter pretty much gave us a, a wrap of the the beast of Jevadon. Uh, it, it they did the. Wolves kept killing people, but this this was just a particularly interesting time period because a 1987 study estimates that there had been 210 attacks resulting in 113 deaths, 49 injuries. 98 of the victims were killed uh, who were partially eaten. Uh, their throats were ripped out. I mean, these wolves, like, it was just bad timing for everything. Uh, perfect timing for the wolves. But uh, Jean, Jean Chastel did uh, use a, like, uh, a mix w- which included silver to, to, uh, and buckshot to take it down. So that's a really interesting sort of thing. I think that might be where we get sort of the idea. I mean, silver is, is sort of been like an idea. The idea of silver kind of s- stopping the paranormal and beastly things is, is an old concept. Um, we could certainly go into that. But I, I thought it was really cool that this dude was like, yeah, why not? Throw it, throw it in the buckshot. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. Um, but they, they, I, oh, go ahead. Oh, I just wanted to say, um, if, if you want to, uh, learn more <laughs> to, you can watch the way historically accurate brotherhood of the wolf movie, which is so much fun. Oh, it really? is a, it is a bonkers French 
action horror movie about <laughs> the beast of Gévaudan. Uh It's got martial arts sequences. It's totally crazy. It's way. It looks great too. It's it's sumptuous costumes and sex and violence. It's great. So. People do like those things. <laughs> I bet you were just describing the Witcher partially too. Um, yeah, that's so. like the opposite of Wolfman with Anthony Hopkins. Oh, mm-hmm. I, there I, I was zero that. sex in that. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, well, you know, Hopkins, he's got to do his thing. Uh, so I, 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 I don't go too much into sort of the modern sort of evolution, but it's just once we get to get into the 18th century, it's where we get into – as writing has flourished, the printing press has flourished, the fiction uh, that and the evolution of werewolves um, goes – you know, it's legendary at that point, and, and it's super ingrained. It, it's just – I feel like once we hit that point – like almost every culture could identify it, you know, could read that story and be like, ah, oh, this is a werewolf story. You know, this is, this is one of those kind of tales. Uh, it, this was a really cool sort of thing to look into. Um, my, I'll touch on my sources before I forget myself. I, I actually, I, I never use a site, the conversation.com. It's, it's uh quip is academic rigor, journalistic flair. And it was, it was a fun read. It did. It gave it to me in a palatable form because there was just so much, but of course, Wikipedia and history.com had a fun little section as well. That was really good. And ancient origins. I, I like to use them a lot. They um, had a couple things. I never, I didn't really use any of the material, but they had some interesting articles that sort of talk about, um, werewolf hunting and things like that that had happened in the past but again it, there, there's so many aspects to looking at this story and this subject there's tons of like like the the wikipedia see also mentioned the wendigo the the indigenous american oh, yeah. creature that's like super scary when i've looked into it it's it's horrifying things like that so those are gonna definitely episodes that we're gonna run into soon and this is i i wanted this to sort of be a primer to kind of show you the the obvious deep roots and the not so obvious deep roots i mean i i had never heard of wolf zeus before this but there was literally a whole city state dedicated to wolf zeus there's a wolf zeus statue or there was at least a wolf zeus statue um in arcadia so well uh i think that covers our lichenology for the day uh i'll include some of the links that i have the the conversation piece it's a great read and it kind of goes through a lot of what i just talked about um but peter and cammy those were great stories i think we touched on some stories that no one had really heard of i'm glad we didn't touch on teen wolf or something like that i was wondering if anyone was going to mention it i, I love like, I don't know. all of those movies like any werewolf if it has a werewolf in really? it, i love it yes it's my favorite see i me and 80s movies i i'm not super big oh it doesn't have to be 80s just as long as it's a wolf just wolves in general (laughs) now i believe it yeah um but now well everyone i we we hope you enjoyed the story we really enjoyed this discussion and looking into it all again welcome to our spoop tapular fun october mystery episodes please 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 contact us facebook group is is one of the easier ways but contact us uh on your suburban legends that's going to be really fun it was so much fun last time we just we'd love your local stories to talk about um on the show and we uh, need them so send them to us literally cannot do it without them so um <laughs> no you know it's mystery all one word but story with an ie yeah, you can even I, I haven't mentioned our gmail in forever but mystery at gmail again facebook's a great way we are on twitter and stuff like that too uh mystery.threadless.com you can buy merchandise we've got some nice shirts and face masks 
skateboards, whatever your heart desires. Well, Throws, cami, blankets, yeah, bath, bath mats, yep. yeah. <laughs> you just want to get out with the dude with the spear. The face masks are really cool, actually. They did turn out quite well. Yeah. I'm very pleased. Yeah, very nice. <laughs> well, Cami, Peter, thank you once again, uh, everyone. Um, we will see you next time. Oh. 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 It all makes sense now.